What is up? Hello there. My name is Jessica Patching Bunch. You can call me JPB. And this is Brain Body Resilience. This is a podcast dedicated to growth, human development, and stressing a little bit less so you can go ahead and live a little bit more. Well, hello. Welcome back to Brain Body Resilience. I am still your host, JPB. We are diving into the third in a 10-part stress mini-series. So far, we have explored a little bit about what stress actually is in our body, how it functions, a little bit of the science behind that, how it affects us, how it affects our behaviors. So now let's talk about resilience. So last week, we ended with this introduction to stress mindset. And we're going to dive all the way in with that today and look at how we build some of these um, beliefs and behaviors and thoughts and all the things that contribute to our ability to be resilient in the face of stress. So as we go forward, I just want to repeat this one more time so you have it fresh in your head as we go forward. We have... a a mindset that we have created through all of our experiences and our social influences. And it comes from our core beliefs that shape the lens through which we view the world. And it biases how we think. It biases how we feel and, and how we act, how we behave, how we live in the world. It's like a filter that we see everything through. And That means that we have a mindset regarding stress as well. And so I gave you two options. In last week's um, episode, mindset number one, stress is harmful. Experiencing stress depletes my health and vitality. Experiencing stress inhibits my learning and memory and growth. Experiencing stress debilitates my productivity and performance. Overall, stress is negative and should be avoided. Mindset number two, stress is enhancing. Experiencing stress enhances my productivity, my performance. Experiencing stress improves my health and vitality. Experiencing stress facilitates my learning and growth. Overall, the effects of stress are positive and should be utilized. I just want you to think about which one of those resonated more for you. And keep that in mind as we go forward. So we know that... Our stress hormones, cortisol being one of them, I think cortisol is the one that everybody talks about and kind of vilifies. It is just a naturally occurring hormone in our bodies, so it's not all bad. It does good things for us. We need it. It is just how it's used, how much it's used, all the things that we talked about, having excess, um, all of these hormones from a fight or flight response elevated stress response for continued periods of time, that's when it becomes an issue. Cortisol itself is not the bad guy. So when we're looking at two of our stress hormones, cortisol and DHEA, they are both released by our adrenal glands we talked about in the previous episode, that whole HPA access, how that works. When we have a higher ratio of DHEA to cortisol in our stress response in the release of these hormones with our stress response. This has been shown in research to have a reduced 
risk of anxiety, depression, heart disease, and neurodegenerative issues. It also helps people thrive under that stress. It is a top predictor of resilience and higher performance along with greater focus, less dissociation, and higher problem-solving skills in the face of stress. We know this because um, Dr. Kelly Magonio, in her book, The Upside of Stress, pulls back the curtain on her stress research and focuses on how we perceive stress and our mindset around stress and how that actually affects the way that our stress affects us, the way that it changes the physiology, literally the physiological response that happens in our body. So basically what her research says is that viewing stress as enhancing makes it so. And this has been shown with studies that measure the ratio of those stress hormones Just by believing that stress is helpful creates a different biological reality within your internal environment. And I'm not just saying like, think positive and everything's going to be great. But when there is a genuine belief that stress helps you rise to the challenge, that it helps you and gives you resources, that it can be beneficial and just that it's not complete shit and totally detrimental to your life. And it's, I don't know, I used to say just all the time, I was like, this fucking stress is killing me. And, you know, it it was trying. So if we just believe that it has a positive effect, it actually will have a more positive effect in uh, the physiological representation of it. So when we welcome stress as an indicator that we care about something or that we can consider what is at stake and why it's important to us, we can then use the energy that the stress gives us instead of wasting it trying to make it go away. Stress is the response of our body to any demand that requires action or adaptation. This comes from uh, Hans Selle. We talked about him. He's the grandfather of stress. I question his methods because he spread this fear about stress and its harmful nature And his conclusions were based on noxious injections to these animals he was studying, brutal lab conditions, um, putting them through traumatic injuries, all to receive these kind of stress outcomes. When, yes, of course, if those are the conditions that his test subjects were facing, there will be heightened levels of stress. It will be detrimental when you are literally in these like traumatic life threatening experiences. But as with anything, science is just, you know, uh, finding the truth. It is not the ultimate truth. And when we know better, we do better. When we know better, we know better. And it turns out this grandfather of stress, he was funded by tobacco, uh, you know, big tobacco, the, the industry, to promote smoking as a stress reduction tool. He was paid to write about the harmful effects of stress in order to promote smoking as a stress reduction tool. We know now, for so many reasons, that is, even though I used to smoke a lot and it was always to try to calm down, even though smoking's a, nicotine is a stimulant. <laughs> so it's really interesting. A lot of layers there, um, not the point. So I'm going to move on. There is not one uniform response that we have to stress. 
We have different responses. They cause different physiological responses within us. But so many of these potential responses depend on the situation and mindset around it. All of them do, not so many, all of them do. So the different responses show specific cardiovascular changes, specific ratio of hormones released, and other aspects of the stress response that can all vary widely given how we think about stress and what differences that creates in the physiological and social responses attached. So for example, here, one of the types of, uh, we're all familiar with the, the fight or flight response, right? Some of us have heard of the fawn response. That's the kind of freeze response. Um, there's also the challenge response. And this is where we view a problem, an obstacle, this stressor that we are facing as a challenge to be solved, to be overcome. And in this, when people take this approach, when people have this mindset, it's been shown to increase self-confidence, motivates action, and helps us to learn from this experience. Which remember, our stress response is a biological mechanism helping us to to learn and adapt to the experiences we're having. There's also a tend and befriend response, which is has been shown to increase our levels of empathy and motivates a caregiving response, which strengthens our social relationships. And then in turn, helps us better deal with stress because we have to have those social relationships, the community to help us through some of these stressors. So all of these different um, possibilities for a response to a stressor we all have, we have all of these in our kind of toolkit to pull from. So again, our biology, the biology of our stress gives us the energy to rise to the challenge. The sympathetic response kicks in and gives us the physical strength and the focus and the energy that we need to overcome whatever it is in front of us. Our brain and body are constantly reshaping themselves to help face important challenges in life to learn from these experiences, to learn about these events so that when we encounter them next time, we know what to do. This is why, this is how I should say our stress response can get stuck. Because if we are constantly activating the stress response and we are in a constant fight or flight response, that is what our system is learning. And it is going to become habituated. It's just going to become this automatic response. We live on autopilot most of the time which is why I always say awareness and intention are absolutely key. Because once we notice that we are just reliving the same response over and over again, then we can choose to change the way we respond and teach our nervous system, teach our brain a different way to respond. And I'm not gonna lie, it's not easy. It takes a lot of practice. It takes intention. It takes a lot of time. But is changing your life worth it? Yes, absolutely. Every single time. So as our brain and our body are constantly reshaping to help us face these important challenges in life, um, even the challenges that we face like traumatic life events, these can be changed the way that we respond to them. They can be reversed by new life experiences and new relationships. We can literally reshape the patterning, the pathways, the neural connections in our brain 
and how our nervous system is patterned to respond. Again, this is not overnight. This is not easy. It takes a lot of fucking work. It's really hard, but it is possible. And that's all that is. That is one of the biggest things that it, that is the message that I am, that I'm here for. This is why I show up and, and talk into this microphone because I want everyone to know that it is possible to change the way that your brain reacts, that your body reacts, that your nervous system reacts, the way that you respond to these stressors, even when there's been trauma, even when you've created a cycle, a pattern that is not serving you, it can be changed. And I just want everyone to know that. I want everyone to know that you have a say in how your body responds to stress. Again, it is this biological state that's helped us to learn from experience. It is intended to help us learn from experience. It's not just kind of something that's out of our control. It means that this response that we have, this threat detection system, is incredibly receptive to the effects of deliberate practice, intentional practice, awareness, everything I just said, I'm going to say it a thousand times, because that's what it takes is consistent um, practice over and over and over again. And so I will continue to say it. So whatever actions we're taking during our stress, during our stress, when our heightened levels of stress, this is what we're teaching our brain and body to do more of spontaneously later on that habituation we were just talking about. So I want you to notice as you're going through some stressful experiences, how are you dealing with it? What is the automatic response? And is it what you want it to be? Each and every moment of stress is a chance to transform your stressing instincts by practicing the intentional way that you want to respond in order to make that habit to habituate that and make that your autopilot. So With that, one thing that you can do is just take a moment, write this down, if that feels good, or just think about it. Reflect on your daily roles, on your relationships, on your daily activities, and be really honest with yourself. Do you think that they are irritating inconveniences? Are they intrusions into your life? Or are they part of your life? Are they meaningful experiences or are they irritating? Studies have shown that this doesn't change from day to day like we might might think. Like, well, I don't know, it depends on the day. If I have some really irritating shit going on, then it's probably an inconvenience. We found that most of the time it's actually a stable mindset, more than a measure of what's actually going on currently. So how we think about our stress can influence this tendency. When we believe that stress is harmful, we start to take and feel that stress itself, stressful situations, are these intrusions into our life. Things like waiting in line, cooking dinner. I know that this one is something that I, that I um, encounter sometimes. I don't love cooking. My husband does the cooking for the most time, for the most part. But, you know, I also want to contribute, especially if he's getting off work late. Um but I really had to work on changing that mindset that I had around that because it's not something I enjoy. And I started to feel like it was like this inconvenience for me. Things like traffic, just everyday experiences start to feel like a threat to your health or like life has gone off course somewhere that there's some kind of magical stress-free life out there that just doesn't exist. 
The goal isn't to get rid of the stress, but to change how we are able to interact with it. So many of the negative outcomes associated with stress can actually just come from trying to avoid it, trying to bury it or avoid it. And that leads to uh, just overall reduction of our sense of well-being, our satisfaction with our life, our happiness. We know that struggle can actually increase creativity and learning. It actually strengthens our ability to cope with greater difficulties in the future. And it changes how our brain works because again, it's learning how to grow, how to deal with the situation, how to overcome this challenge. And meaning is made, the meaning that we give these things is made by the ways that we survive, not by the terrible thing that we survived. We give meaning to the way that we overcome, overcame that. If you look at some of the most difficult things that you have had to overcome, not whether you would change it or not, because that's not useful. We can't change the past. But think about how you grew, the tools that you had to cultivate in order to support yourself through that time. Even if that was um, nurturing relationships, asking for help, how did you support yourself in that time? What were you able to do to help yourself through that time? That's how we find the meaning. And when we're talking about dealing with stress, I think I definitely want to touch on the, the idea that you don't have to deal with the stressor directly. You don't have to eliminate the stressor to deal with the stress itself. For example, traffic. This is a big one for me. I used to just be full of road rage and uh, traffic was really hard. I would just be sitting there so worked up having just all this stress, all this anxiety, all this anger, just sitting there in my car. It's not affecting anyone around me, but myself, but I am negatively affecting my health, my physical health, my mental health, my overall well-being, because I'm so upset about this traffic around me. The traffic isn't going anywhere. It's how I choose to interact with it. And it's an incredible feeling to go out in the world and be around traffic and understand that it's annoying. I don't love sitting in traffic, but it's not worth my health. I'm not going to get mad about it. So the way that we start to change some of these um, patterns that we have around stress is by intentionally participating in our life to stabilize ourselves, to prove to ourselves that we do have autonomy. Wellness is not a state of mind. It is a state of action and essential action. It is necessary. If we are not intentionally contributing to our lives, living in our lives, participating in the creation of our lives, what are we doing? We're just watching it go by. And yeah, for a lot of us, that is. When we're talking about different kinds of stress, there's a lot of our stress that is generated from our internal environment, just like I was talking about with the traffic. Most of it was how I was reacting, how angry I was getting about the stress of the traffic. The traffic wasn't changing. It was just me. And when we have this stress, this purely psychological, purely coming from thinking about uh, worries about the future, regrets about the fact, the past, Um, shaming, blaming, criticizing ourselves, getting angry about things that we can't change immediately. That response is actually more damaging 
than the stressor itself. This is how we start to see stress-related diseases. Stress is a catalyst for growth, but it depends on how we look at it. If we fear it, try and avoid it, try and push it down, we're avoiding growth and we're causing problems for ourselves. Stress and discomfort are opportunities for us to grow. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, sometimes it really sucks, but it is that opportunity for our responses, for our nervous system, for us, for our brain, for our body to learn a different way of handling something, to learn from our experience in order to be able to overcome the challenge. Yes, we can change the body's habitual responses to stress with training and consistency and intention. Again, it's not easy, but it is possible. Yes, we can change our baseline, how we function by training and looking after our mind by training and looking after our body, by training the response that we want to have in these situations. This is why with my clients, I work on elevating the heart rate with exercise and then working on bringing it back down with breath work. Because if we are practicing how we want to respond in an elevated state, when we are in control and when we are guiding this, this exercise, Remember that uncertainty and lack of control are some of the worst things for the brain and body. And so when we have that certainty and control, we are guiding the training that we want. We are guiding the response. We are training the response we want to see. And when we do this, we run into more optimal state for our functioning, where we are more resilient to stress. We are more resilient to trauma. We think constructive thoughts. We view the world rationally and have higher thresholds for pain. So as we continue in the series, we're going to be looking at how we can take action. What actions are useful and helpful in navigating our stress and then actually tapping into the power of our nervous system to change some of the patterns we have. I want to be very clear in saying that none of this work, the action part of all of this is easy. It's incredibly hard and your brain likes what's familiar because of that whole trying to keep us alive thing. And that whole efficiency thing. So it's going to give you all of the reasons and excuses that it can to get you to not take action. We're going to talk more about that. Your brain and nervous system want to stay in a familiar place. Even if that place doesn't make you happy, it doesn't make, it doesn't, it's not fulfilling. It's stressing you out. Maybe it's not healthy. It's not serving you. Your brain is not, its goal is not to make you happy and serve your, your highest growth. And, you know, happiness on this planet, it is to keep you alive. And that's it. The rest of that is up to us. So what do we do now? We take one small action at a time to prove that we can, to show our brain that we have the reference point, that we can do the thing, that we can move forward, that we can learn, that we can grow, that we can say how we want to respond to this thing, to prove that we are in charge. And the only way to know that is to make different decisions. The only way to know that what you do makes a difference is to actually do the thing for long enough to see the changes. So I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to leave it here. We are at uh, 25 minutes, which means that we're a little over how long I like these to be anyways. But we are going to get into some of these action steps, some of the different pieces of how to build our toolbox and the other pillars of brain body resilience that I like to look at. We will be doing that together on the next episode. 
next week. Until then, I don't have any challenges for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next week.